Well, good morning, uh, Core Church. Uh, what a powerful story about finding our purpose. Uh, I am not your regular host. Uh, I'm not Pastor Brad, but I sure am glad that you're here today. Uh, my name's Ronnie, Ronnie Baker, and I'm the pastor of Audacity Church. I, I started that church in my living room many years ago, and uh, Brad has become just a very dear friend to me, and, and I'm humbled at the, the privilege to be able to share with you today. Uh, I am happily married uh, for 22 years, and we do have 10 marvelous children, five boys, five girls, 22 to five years old. So I've not had a good night's sleep since 1998, uh, but, but God's grace is, is good. Um, I am passionate about planning churches. I'm passionate about helping people start churches. It's one of the things that drives me. And so I help oversee Audacity Church and then I help oversee Forward Churches. And you guys are actually going to hear more about that. And there's a family that Pastor Brad has been pouring into, the Finkbiners, and, and I can't wait for you to get to meet them. But um, Pastor Brad has been a dear friend. It, it's humbling for me to be here this morning. About five years ago in the middle of church planning, I, I was just tired. Uh, I was alone and was trying to figure things out. And, and a friend of mine said, hey, I have a guy, have coffee or lunch with him. And so I met Pastor Brad at a top of that pizza of all places. And for over an hour, he listened, he poured into me, and it started a friendship that I, I, I'm so grateful that is, is a part of my life. So, so Core Church, and through your giving and your supporting of the ministry and mission of this church, I want you to know that your pastor is a pastor of pastors. And he pours in and leads, and, and Brad and Laura are just phenomenal leaders. And uh, today, this morning, I, I'm just going to talk to you about praying to the Lord of the harvest. It's this unique story, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn them to Luke chapter 10. And there's this, uh, Jesus is sending out these 70 people to go before him. And we'll begin reading in verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to the house. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life and the ministry of Jesus. We thank you for this thing called the church. And we pray that we would, we would play our part, our role, in bringing your kingdom from heaven to earth. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is commissioning people to go before where he was already going. You know that's the same in your life. That, that, that God is already working ahead of where you're going. He's already working in the lives of what this scripture calls persons of peace. People that are in a situation, they're in a circumstance right now, and they have big questions. And, and maybe they used to be in church, or maybe they're out of church, or maybe they've heard of Jesus, but have never seen anybody that lives for Jesus. And he is already working before. This story is the same. Jesus says that we have to pray to the Lord of the harvest. It reminds me of, of what Jesus said the greatest commandment was. The Hebrew Bible, or the Old Testament as it's called, 
has 613 commandments, <laughs> 613 rules. And Jesus was asked by a religious leader, hey, how do, how, what's the most important of all the 613? And Jesus defines it basically in four words. He says, love God, love people. That's it. Jesus sums up 613 commands, 613 rules, and he says, love God and love people. And we love God through our worship. We love God through giving him of our lives, and we love people by serving them, by being Jesus. You are never more like Jesus than when you are serving so what is the primary function of the church? What's our primary purpose is, is we must go and make disciples. We are on this journey. And so we, if, if you like to take notes and write things down, you can write this down. We go with our primary purpose. If you want to know what your primary purpose is, you go with your primary purpose. Jesus has died and, and resurrected. He spent 40 days talking to about 500 followers of his. And then he pulls the 11 aside, the 11 that were left of the apostles, and he, he gives them this commission. He's speaking to the church as a whole. And it's found in Matthew chapter 28. He says this, Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And if you like to make little marks in your Bible or circle things, I would underline some doubted. You're like, well, Ronnie, that's not the most important part. Oh, there are days that's been the most important part for me. Let's keep reading. And then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, I think if we, we, we are all sitting in the same room together and we say, what's the primary purpose of the church? Some people would say, well, the primary purpose of the church is worship. And I was raised in the home of a worship pastor. I can't clap on beat and sing at the same time, but, but I love worship. And some would say, well, that's the primary purpose of the church. Others might say the primary purpose of the church is to study the word of God. And, and I believe that that's a great purpose. Others might say, you know, the primary purpose of the church is to take care of the, the poor and, and to feed the hungry. And I, I would say, yeah, it's a, it's a great purpose. And if you're part of the core family, you know this place has an awesome youth pastor and an awesome youth group. Some people would say, maybe the primary purpose of the church is reaching the next generation. And, and I, I wouldn't argue with you. Pastor Eric does a phenomenal job. And I, I wouldn't argue with you that it's an important purpose, but is worship and studying God's word the primary purpose of the church? I believe Jesus lays it out in Matthew chapter 28 that the primary purpose of the church, this collective of people that are following hard after Jesus, is to glorify God by reaching lost people. That's the primary purpose. And there's so many other purposes and so many other things take up our time. But if you want to know what the primary purpose of the church is, is to glorify God by reaching lost people. So you know what that means? It means whether you're a pastor, or a leader of a nonprofit, a nurse, a school teacher, that your primary purpose is to glorify God by reaching lost people. Our primary purpose is to go. And friends, I think we have to get this right. Because if we don't get the primary purpose of the church right, we'll end up being a people that aren't reaching people. And, and what will happen over time, if we're not careful, is a movement. And in this church is such a strong movement. 
but a movement has the ability to almost turn into a, 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 a mausoleum, if you will. Just something that's dead. Our primary purpose is to glorify God by reaching lost people. It's, it's interesting that that word go in Matthew chapter 28 is, uh, I didn't do real good in English, but I was told this, it's an imperative verb, <laughs> which means that instead of go, it would be better translated as you are going. As you are going through life, your primary purpose is to glorify God by reaching lost people. And man, if you're anything like me, I hope Matthew chapter 28 and in verse 17 brings you some, some peace, some doubted. And you're going to have some doubts and, and you might have some fears and there might be some insecurities along the way of, you know, what do I say? Who do I talk to? You know, is this the right place? But if we trust that, that Jesus is sending you where he is already working, if we trust that he already has a plan and he's already preparing hearts for you, your story, and we can walk in confidence that as we are going, we can fulfill the Great Commission. It's a co-mission. It's interesting to me that Jesus' last request in Matthew chapter 28 must become our first priority. It has to become the priority. Our lives must become oriented around being ambassadors for Christ, bringing his message of hope. So how do we do this? I'm going to give you a couple of ideas, a couple of thoughts. So we go with our primary purpose but the witness of scripture is also that we must go with purposeful prayer. There's this church in a place called Collison. There's this writer of the New Testament. His name was Paul. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. And he's writing a letter to a church. That's what the collection of the 27 New Testament letters and books are. And he says this. He says in Colossians chapter 4, devote yourselves to prayer. Now, why does he say devote yourselves to prayer? If you jump down to verse 4, he's talking about the gospel. He says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly. So if you're anything like me, and maybe you don't always know what the right thing to say is, or maybe you feel uncomfortable sharing your faith, Paul would say that the, the challenge is to pray. Pray that we can proclaim the story of the gospel clearly. Pray that we believe that Jesus is going before us, opening up doors and preparing people's hearts for us to be his words. I th think it's interesting that we have this idea that prayer changes everything. And yet I think it's often neglected in our walk. We, we pray when we get in a pinch, right? We pray when we get in a bind. Instead of taking the opportunity to pray for purpose, your purpose, my purpose, is to glorify God by bringing hope, by bringing restoration, by bringing redemption, by bringing this story called the gospel. Another thing that we have to be really intentional about is as we are going or as we go, we have to go to grow. This morning I, I was praying and thinking about what I, I was going to share and, and I, I, went, I was looking for this study that I, I read uh, several months ago. According to the Center for Bible Engagement, if you and I just would get into our Bibles one day a month, there's, there's really not a whole lot of change. So if you're here, or you're listening, I'm so glad that you're taking part. But according to research, it's, it's not going to bring dramatic change to your life. And, and you read your Bible two days a week. It, it really doesn't do much either. On the third day, if you read your Bible three days a week, they say that there's just this slight jump in how people approach life. But I'm just going to challenge you. If you go to grow, 
If you would dare just to read your Bible four days a week, four days, every other day, man, that isn't asking a lot. Take 15 minutes every other day. Set that alarm a little bit earlier. Stay up a little bit later. Can I tell you what happens? If you would just go to grow, if you would go in your primary purpose, if you would go with purposeful prayer, here's what happens. Loneliness drops by 30%. If you're feeling lonely, I'm going to tell you, it's, it, 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 all loneliness is going to away, going to go away, but I, I, the, according to the research, it drops by 30%. Anger drops by 32%. If you find yourself frustrated and angry all the time, if you'll just spend four days a week in the Bible, 15 minutes at a time, anger will drop. Did you know that bitterness in your life will drop by 40%? Past relationships, family, coworkers, bitterness drops by 40%. Spiritually stagnant. I've been a pastor for a hot minute. I can't tell you how many times people will say, man, I just don't know what's going on. I just, I feel stagnant. And, and I'm like, are you in God's word? If you would read your Bible, did you know that spiritually stagnant, it, it drops by 60%. Now, of course, that's important because I love people. I care about you. But let me tell you why I told you these stats. Because if you're in your Bible four days a week, if you will go to grow, sharing your faith jumps up 200%. 200%. Why? Because you're in the Word of God and it's transforming your life. Do you know that discipling other people increases by 230% just by reading your Bible every other day? And... Memorizing scripture, hiding the word of God in your heart jumps by 400%. We have to grow. <laughs> we have to grow in Christ. So we go to grow. And, and Jesus gave us this model, and, and I've simplified it with, with one slide. <laughs> But we go as, as a team. Maybe you're on a core team and you can find somebody on that team and you would say, hey, how about you and I? Man, we just believe that God has set us apart to change the world. One person at a time. Maybe it's our neighborhood, our block, our, our PTA, our boardroom, wherever it might be. And we say, we believe that, if, that we're just going to be on a team and we believe that Jesus is sending us out. He's sending us out. And then those, those teams pray together. They pray for their, their, their communities. They pray for a mission. They pray that God would send them clear direction. And they gather in groups. And in these groups, we just say, hey, this is what God's word says about God. This is what God's word says about us. And then now this is what God's word is asking us to do. And then we gather. Man, I love to gather and worship. But the reason that we gather is so we can be encouraged and equipped as we're sent out. And Jesus lays out this model in Luke chapter 10, in verse 2, where Jesus says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. And I have an alarm in my phone at 10.02. It goes off every morning and every evening. And every morning and every evening, I pause and I pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers out into the field. And I ask, I said, Jesus, help me to see people in the harvest it's interesting that the word where Jesus says, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out labors. It's actually a word that means to force people out. It appears that Jesus knew that some people were going to get comfortable giving the responsibility of reaching people to other people. They're comfortable sitting on the sidelines. See, friends, we have to see that the church is not something that we do. It's not a place that we go, but it, we, it's who we are. And we scatter. We, we, we go out into our community, 
and we bring the hope of Jesus. And so the, the last thing that you're going to need is you're going to have to go in the power of community. That's this hot mess called the church, this safe place of grace and hope and restoration, a place to live in community, to be fully transparent and to be vulnerable. I love this definition of the gospel. We gather as the church, we gather in the power of community to go and take this message. The gospel is the good news that the only true God, the just and gracious creator of the universe has looked upon hopelessly sinful men and women and has sent his son, God in the flesh, to bear his wrath against uh, to bear his wrath against sin through the substitutionary death on the cross to show his power over sin and death in the resurrection from the grave so that everyone who turns from their sin and themselves and trust in Jesus alone as Savior will be reconciled to God forever. There's this verse in 2 Corinthians that says that you and I are supposed to beg people to be reconciled to God. It says that we are supposed to, in the power of community, when I know someone's side by side with me, when I know somebody has my back, when I know somebody is for me and praying for me, when I know somebody is there to celebrate the victories on the mountaintops and the, someone that's going to go through the valleys of life with me. This is this thing called community. And we go in community with this hope. John Wesley once wrote this. He says, do all you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. <laughs> A lot of alls there, right? We are called. The primary purpose of the church is to glorify God by reaching lost people. Let me explain the, the, the simplest way I know how that we live this thing out following Jesus. Because in my life, it appears that God finds a new way every day to ask me the same question. Do you trust me? <laughs> every, every, every day, it's, an, it's the, the same question. Ronnie, do you trust me today? Whenever, whenever something doesn't go the way I thought it should, or maybe you get passed up on a promotion, or may, maybe there's sickness. It, it's, it's like the loving Father needs us to be involved in community so that we will fulfill our primary purpose, which is to glorify his goodness by reaching lost people. We exist to, to glorify God. We exist to reach our cul-de-sacs and our classrooms and our cubicles. and we, we exist to reach people who are far from God and help them find new life and new purpose in Jesus Christ. I, as you heard, I'm a dad of a large family, so I think I've seen every cartoon and kids movie on the planet. And I remember... There's this movie called The Lorax, and this young guy is, is, is trying to understand some history, and he's, he's trying to figure out why things have changed so much, and he's trying to figure out like what really is his purpose. And there's this powerful quote in it with Dr. Seuss. It says, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing's going to get better. It's not. What is God calling you to do? Who is he calling you to reach? See, I think we want to reach the world when, when Jesus just wants us to reach our neighbor. 
We, we want a great Instagram story when Jesus is like, hey, would you just love on someone that nobody sees you doing it? Would you be willing to change the world one person at a time? And how does all this happen? This happens because of the cross. See, the cross is where evil was dealt with, where love was demonstrated, where justice is dealt with, where forgiveness is given. And it all happens at this moment of the cross and the resurrection. So my, my challenge to you is will you live your life to glorify God by changing the world one person at a time? Will, 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 you, will, you, will you just be bold enough to believe that God has called you to fulfill your primary purpose, which is to glorify him? And the way he wants you to do that most is by sharing the story of the cross and the resurrection. We're about to go into a time of communion. So let me pray. Father in heaven, we want to glorify you. The, the, the giving of your son, Jesus, is, is so marvelous. It's, it's too great for us to even comprehend. But we want to live a life that, that makes much of you. We want to live a life. We thank you for every breath you've given us. We thank you for all the, the blessings you've poured upon us. We thank you for all the trials that have drawn us closer to you. But we want to glorify you. So will you help us to see people in our lives that are far from you? Will you help us to pray for people? Will you help us to be pushed out into the field? Father, we do pray that today you would send out laborers into the harvest. For the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And Father, we do pray that you would make us better laborers. In Jesus' name, amen.